Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I want you right now where you're at to step back in time. Some of us are gonna have to step way back into time. Some may not have to step as far back into time. But what I want you to think about very quickly is who was your childhood hero? Or who was your childhood heroes? And I'm not talking about a professional athlete. I'm not talking about some movie star, but I'm talking about who was a hero in your life as you were growing up. And as you think about that person, I want you to think about the why. Why were they a hero? What did they do? Why would you call them a hero? And what I wish we had time to do, but I've really ran over time already. So if we could, we could, man, we could put a microphone in everybody's hand in this room and we could probably have a very emotional morning as we shared of who our childhood heroes are because we would be reminiscing on what the investment they made, why they're our heroes. But because we don't have time for that, I'm the only one with a microphone. So you're gonna hear who my heroes are. Okay, are y'all okay with that? So I'm gonna tell you who they were. The reality is, is you're probably not gonna know them for the most part. Then I'm gonna tell you what they did. And then we're gonna look at kind of why I would declare them a hero. And I know some of you are already looking, I've already got comments. Look, I know I'm wearing tennis shoes today, Jason. I've got a t-shirt. This is like my last shot at being student pastor again. Okay, so I may start running around. I may do something because I feel like very, very athletic this morning up here. So I may jump around a little bit. So just get over it anyway. So, but here's some names. Miss Merritt. What she did was she was my Sunday school teacher as a child. David Ellis. He was my RA director. For those who don't know what RAs are, that's kind of like the Christian version of Boy Scouts. Lowell Whitmire, you've heard his name a lot. He was my youth pastor. Joe Bagwell, who is actually now a part of this church and who actually prayed with me when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He was my pastor. And then also my mom, because my mom drug me to church every time the doors were open. And so when I think about the heroes and I think about what they did, but then what I wanna stop for just a moment and do is, is recognize the, the why I would talk about them being my hero. And what I've realized is exactly aligns with what Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians. As Jared shared last week, we get a glimpse of why we can think about our childhood. Or, or look, you, some of you are going, look, I, I didn't have any childhood heroes. 
I didn't have anybody who took me to church. I didn't have anybody who invested in me that way. So if that's the case, then I want you to think right now, who would be your hero in this moment? Who would be your hero today? And why would they be considered that? What are they doing in your life? But the reason that I would talk about all of these heroes is exactly what Jared shared last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter two. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there right quick. And while you're turning there, I'm just gonna mention the very thing that was mentioned last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight. That's not what we're gonna spend a lot of our time today. But the reason I can look back at all of the names that I gave you while they were considered my heroes was exactly what Paul writes in verse eight of chapter two. When he tells the church at Thessalonica, we were well pleased to impart to you only the gospel of God, but also our own life. We didn't just give you the gospel, but we gave you our life. And so when I look back at all of those names that I mentioned just a moment ago, yes, all of those people gave me the gospel, but what they also did was they gave their life for me. They loved me. They prayed for me. They poured into me. They sacrificed to me or for me. And that's what Paul is reminding the church at Thessalonica that, that him and his men did for them. He's reminding them of what they have done for them. And so today we're just gonna very briefly look at verses nine through 12. And so I want you to read with me right quick. Verses nine through 12, chapter two of 1 Thessalonians. It says, you recall, brethren, our labor and our hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and so is God how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Verse 11, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Y'all know me, I'm wired backwards. And so most people would go verses nine through 12, but we're gonna start in verse 12. Because verse 12 gives us the why behind the what. Verse 12 lets us know why Paul did what Paul does. And verse 12 lets us know why we would consider the people in our lives our hero from a Christian perspective. But we see it in verse 12, what Paul says there. He gives us the why and we read that. It says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. Everything that Paul is doing is so that the people of Thessalonica will walk in a manner worthy of God. But you know what I love about Paul is that we can very quickly pick up on the fact that Paul was not in this for himself. Verse six, we read just previously, I think Jared read it last week. He says, we're not doing this for the glory of man. We're not doing this for the attaboys. We're not doing this for the pat on the back. But then in verse nine, he says that, I want you to think about the hard work and the labor that we have done on your behalf so that we're not a burden. What Paul was talking about there is Paul was a tent maker, which meant he was a bivocational guy. That he was doing his ministry as a side job, if you would, with no money. 
So Paul was working his tail off, making tents so that he wouldn't be a financial burden to the people he was ministering to. So Paul said, don't worry about the finances. Don't worry about paying me for what I do. I'm doing this because I love you. And I know some of you are going, well, Brian, I think that sounds like a great idea. That's kind of what you need to do. Well, there's one difference. Brian's raising a basketball team. (laughs) Paul didn't have none. So that's what I'm gonna hang my hat on. But Paul is wanting us to understand that he's not in it for himself. That Paul is only doing what he's doing, number one, because God has called him to do it. But number two, because he loves the people that he's ministering to. So Paul gave up his life. Paul poured out himself. He did all of that so that. So that is kind of the equal sign, if you would, if you were a math person. Here's kind of, I'm doing all of this and this is gonna equal that so that you will walk in a manner worthy of God. But what I want you to be very quick to understand is this. Walking in a manner worthy of God is not walking in perfection. Walking in a manner worthy of God is walking in submission. And so I want you to think about that right now. When people are pouring into you, they're pouring into you so that you will walk in a manner worthy of God. They're not pouring into you so that you will be perfect, but they're pouring into you so that you will submit to the Lordship of who Jesus Christ is. That is what Paul is talking about. That is what he means when he says, I want you to be walking in a manner worthy of God. But you know, Paul, what you love about him is all through the scripture, we see that that he exemplifies this. He lived it out, but that wasn't enough. And what we see is that not only did Paul live it out in front of them, but he took them by the hand and he taught people. He taught people how to walk in a manner worthy of God. I want you to flip to Ephesians 4. Just back just a few pages. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And when we read this, I want you to think about here. Here's what it means to walk in a manner worthy of God. Here's the example that Paul is putting forth in front of the Thessalonican people. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you. Remember, that's the same language we read just a moment ago. We'll describe that in just a minute. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience and showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know, as I read that, I can look at that and I can see what my heroes did for me. I can see that not only did they live this out in front of me, but this is what they tried to teach me. This is what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of God. Now look, here's the truth. I fell at those every single day. I've not perfected that. I will never perfect that here on this earth. But the people that I call my heroes, that is what they were shaping and molding me into being. And not only were they shaping and molding me, but they were living it out in front of me. 
They were living that out in front of me as an example for me to watch, starting as a little child. You know, I can't help but to think about this and and want to mention today that you're going to be in the presence of a lot of heroes today. You're going to see a lot of heroes that are going to be wearing shirts that look like this. They're going to come in this morning going like this. They're going to be on the struggle bus. They may even be sitting in the 1045 doing this. But you know what? Today, I'm not even going to make fun of them. But what I'm reminded of is this. We gathered on this campus this weekend, as you heard a moment ago, 175 kids just from here. Over 300 teenagers in this room all weekend. Just from Chestnut Mountain alone, there were almost 50 volunteers who opened their homes. Not only did they open their homes, but they also gave of themselves to teach our teenagers how to walk in a manner worthy of God. So as you walk around, as we dismiss here in just a little while, when you see those adults that are dragging down the hallway, I encourage you to pat them on the back and thank them for being a hero. Because what they have done is they've done exactly what Paul is talking about. They have given the gospel and they have given of themselves. You know, I look at what Chase and Katie Adams. I look at AJ Sajia and Ryan Brown, soon to be Ryan Sajia. And I see what they are doing in the lives of my children. I've got three in there. And I am overwhelmed of the people that God has placed in my children's life to train them up in the way that they should go, to hold their hand, to teach them how to walk in a manner worthy of God. There's a reason that the student ministry is exploding. It's because God's doing a mighty work through people who are living the example that Paul set before us. Because every single week, these students are being poured into, they're being given the gospel and they're surrounded by a bunch of people who are giving themselves. But you know, it doesn't stop just in student ministry. You know, I know we laugh at the story about Deacon, but the reality is she's six years old and she's in our children's ministry. But you know what that tells me? She's hearing the truth of God's word. There's volunteers, I'm thankful for Miss Sam, Miss Ingrid, that are giving not only the gospel, but they're giving themselves and they're training up volunteers to do the very thing that Paul is talking about. To give the gospel and to give themselves. You know, when we look at this passage, I was doing some research this weekend and, or this past week, and a lot of times when this passage is shared, it is shared at pastor's conferences. It is shared at, at conferences when you're addressing people that are in occupational ministry, if you would. But what I was reminded of is this letter that Paul has written that's being read to the church was a church that was full of people that looked just like you and me. 
They look just like you. They went to their everyday jobs. They did everything in life that you are doing, that you are walking through. And Paul is writing this letter to people just like you. And you better believe as this letter is being read, the people who are reading it, they've got struggles. There's no doubt in my mind, some of their families were probably falling apart. There's no doubt that they were in seasons maybe where their children were being rebellious. Maybe they were in seasons where they've just found out a loved one has a terminal illness. So all the people that Paul are talking to are just like you. They didn't have it all together. They didn't have everything figured out. But Paul is telling them, he says, look, I am proud of you because in spite of your struggles, in spite of everything that you're going through, you're still trying to imitate what we're living out in front of you. You're still trying to remain faithful even when you don't wanna remain faithful. Even when you're ready to throw in the towel. You know, I sat here last night in a room where God was just doing an absolutely amazing work. And I was looking around at our volunteers and they would call for the volunteers, Trey Wood, and he would have all of them come up for the invitation so that they could receive the students as they moved. And as I sat in the back and I looked at all of these volunteers, it broke my heart because I realized, you know what? Every one of those volunteers have a struggle. Every one of those volunteers are in a battle. Every one of those volunteers have homes just like yours and just like mine but you know what they allowed God to do? That they allowed the love for the father and the love for our teenagers to trump what they do or do not do. They said, you know what? I know things are hard at home, but I am called to be faithful. And so I'm going to be faithful with what God has called me to do. And church, that's what makes them heroes. That's what makes them heroes is that they poured out themselves so that they would walk in a manner worthy of God. But I want you to flip back to 1 Thessalonians chapter two. See, I told you I'm talking fast. I'm moving right along. 1 Thessalonians chapter two, verse 11. I want us to look at the method in which Paul teaches. Now, this is very interesting. This is very eye-opening and, and it was something that was very humbling for me as I studied this this week. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Now, some of you may be reading from the ESV and, it, and what it does is it spreads basically that same passage over verse 11 and 12, but it essentially says the same thing, but it uses a little bit different wordage. But I just want you to, to follow along. We're gonna share both sides of that in just a minute. But what we hear from Paul is Paul is saying, I'm taking full responsibility the same way in which a father would for his children. Now, what's interesting, here we are in verse 11 and he's talking about a father. I'm taking the responsibility of a father. Go back to verse seven. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. I think we can all agree that there's a difference in the way a mother parents and the way a father parents, correct? 
Paul even writes it down here. He shows us exactly. Here's the difference in a mother and a father. And so Paul's wanting us to understand, look, I'm taking full responsibility from the perspective of a mother, but I'm also gonna take full responsibility as a perspective from a father. You say, well, what does that really mean? You know, we're always thankful for the way of mother parents, aren't we? They're nurturing, they're gentle, they pet your head, all that, you know, that just sweet, mushy, gushy, and we love that. And Paul is saying for these new believers, I'm gonna be that for them because these are babies. I'm gonna nurture them. I'm gonna be gentle with them. We're gonna walk with them as they grow. But then all of a sudden, we see that there's a change. So while we are thankful that a mother nurtures, what we need to be thankful for is also for that mindset of a father who doesn't coddle, but pushes to grow. That's exactly what he says in verse 11. In verse 11, he says, because of a father, because I'm taking full responsibility of a father, I'm gonna exhort you, I'm gonna encourage you, and I'm going to implore you. In the ESV, it says that I'm gonna charge you. While you try to define all three of those words, they've got a lot of kind of bleed over in their definitions and the way they're defined. There's a lot of overlap where a lot of them are saying kind of the same thing, but I, I want us to break those three words down so that we'll fully understand what Paul is saying when he says, I'm coming alongside you as a father would his child. And that's what leads us to that word exhort. That word exhort literally means to come alongside. We all know that in this journey of following Christ, it is a walk, it is a, it is a journey. We are traveling, we are moving forward. And Paul says, because I'm gonna be like that father figure in your life, I'm gonna come alongside with you. You're not gonna do this by yourself. I'm gonna lock arms with you and we're gonna walk in this journey together. And so he says there, I'm gonna walk with you. That's what exhort means. The word encourage, it means that, you're gonna help those who are weak and give life to the faint-hearted. But how that kind of bleeds over to that word exhort is that if, if exhorting is walking alongside someone, we all know that as we're journeying, guess what's gonna happen? As we're walking, as we're running, as we're following the Lord, we are going to fall. We're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna fall back into some of the same temptations that God has already delivered us from. We're, already gonna, we're gonna fall back into some of the same sins that we thought we had overcome. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, the example that Paul is giving us here, he said, I'm gonna walk alongside you and when you fall, I'm gonna help you up. When you fall, I'm gonna encourage you to get up. When you fall, I'm not gonna be satisfied with you laying flat on your face, but I'm gonna pick you up and we're gonna lock arms and we're gonna keep walking forward together. That's what Paul's talking about. So I'm gonna walk alongside you and when you fall, I'm gonna help you up. And then the last word he uses there is implore or charge. 
This one's not so much fun because it literally means a loving warning or to put someone on a correction course. And so we can see very clearly that a father leads differently than the mother does according to the way Paul is writing it. I look back in my journey of following Christ and I am so thankful for all of those men and women that God placed around me that loved me like a mother does. They were, they were gentle. They were tender. But as the older I get, you know what I become even more and more thankful for? I am thankful for those men and those women who implored me, who when they saw me take a left when I should have took a right, they quickly corrected me. They quickly spoke truth into me. They didn't let me go down this path of destruction. They grabbed me by my neck and said, hey, you're about to do something dumb. So I am thankful for the mother, but I'm more thankful for those who came alongside me and put me on the course of correction. You think of back in your journey in your life of following Christ. You realize you've all been in that place of following him where you were still about to do some pretty dumb stuff. But aren't you thankful for those men and women who loved you enough to speak you the truth? To say, hey, wake up. You better not go that direction. But you know what? We live in a world now is don't you dare tell me that. You'll offend me. I want to surround myself with people who are willing to offend me. Because they offend me because they love me. Some of you in this room, there's been people that have spoken into your life of the direction that you need to be going and you've gotten mad at them. You've gotten bitter at them. Do you realize all they're doing is doing exactly what Paul is telling us as Christians that we're called to do? We're to walk alongside one another. We're to pick each other up when we fall and when we see somebody going down the wrong path, we correct. That's accountability. And I am thankful for the people that God has placed in my life that are willing to correct me, that are willing to call me out. But I know they're doing it in love. And that's what we see that Paul is all about. That's why we all love Paul. It's because Paul wasn't just there to make people feel better about themselves. Paul was there to push others to be better. To push people in the right direction. And so when I think about this weekend, when I think about all of the volunteers who gave the gospel, who gave themselves, I can't help but to look at them and say, those are the heroes. Those are the heroes. And so to all the volunteers, 
not just the small group leaders, not just the host home leaders, but to every person that held a door. To every person who put food on a table. To every person who gave of yourself. I want to say thank you for being a hero. You know, and this morning as we get ready to close, I told you all we were going to go fast. We've done really, really good. You know, maybe you're a parent here this morning that a child that participated in United Weekend. Hey, look, you get the afternoon off too. They're going to go home and pass out. You won't even know they're alive. You'll probably need to go check their pulse. But if you're a parent here, do you have any idea what encouragement that it gives these volunteers when a parent says thank you? Thank you for not only giving my child the gospel, but thank you for giving yourself for my child. And they gave of themselves, but here's the beauty of it. They didn't do it for the pat on the back. They didn't do it for the attaboy. But what they did is they have exhausted themselves pointing our children to Jesus. Pointing our kids to Jesus. But you know, as this morning, as we get ready to close, as we thought already of who your childhood hero is, Is it that Sunday school teacher? Is it that mom, that dad, that grandparent, that uncle? Or that man or that woman who had no business loving you the way they loved you? Or maybe you're new to the faith and maybe you can say, well, Brian, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have any Christian influence around me until the last few years. Well, you still got a hero who gave you the gospel and who gave of themselves for you so that you would hear the gospel. When's the last time you told them thank you? When's the last time you told that, that hero thank you for what they've done for you? When's that last time you've told that hero, thank you for telling me about this man named Jesus. And so maybe that's your response this morning. Maybe they're in this room. When we respond in just a moment, maybe you walk to them and you hug their neck and just simply say, thank you that you've given me the gospel and you gave yourself for me. And while that sounds all mushy-gushy, now I kind of get a little more personal. If somebody's been your hero, I want you to ask yourself the question, whose hero am I? Am I continuing this legacy? 
Am I giving myself for someone else? Am I telling others about the gospel or did it stop with me? Did somebody give you Jesus or mention his name to you? Tell me about you, tell you about Jesus. They can't give you Jesus, but they told you about him and you responded to that. They gave themselves for you, but as you examine your life, you look back and you say, I'm not doing what somebody else did for me. You realize that's the gospel in a nutshell. That person that's your hero, they gave themselves for you because they believe that Jesus gave himself for them. And they're just reproducing what Jesus has set forward in motion already. And you say, well, Brian, I don't really know what it looks like to give of myself. I don't feel qualified to, to take Jesus to people, to tell them about Jesus. All I wanna encourage you to do is make yourself available. That's something that we say on our staff a lot. If we will just make ourselves available, you let God do the rest. Because the reality is, there's a million opportunities here for you to be somebody's hero. We all the time need people to pour into little deacons. We need people to pour into our students. We need people to, that will sit downstairs in a rocking chair and sing old hymns over our babies. That's all the part of the seed planting. We need people to stand at the doors because you realize you're the first person they see. And I know for some of you, you're like, that's why I'm not doing it. But did that childhood hero stop at you? And then lastly, maybe you're here and you're thinking about that person who has been telling you about Jesus, who's been giving themselves for you and you've just never responded. You've never responded to what they've been teaching you about and telling you about. There was a young man that stood up right over here on the stage last night, doesn't go here. A little kid with a, a hoodie on, you could tell that the stage was the last place he wanted to be. But as I talked to one of the adult volunteers, he said, that young man right there with the hoodie on, he said, we've been praying for him for five years. We've been praying for that young man for five years, but last night God answered the prayer. How many of you in this room has somebody been praying for for five years? They've told you about Jesus. They've been pointing you to Jesus. They've been praying for you, but maybe you haven't responded. Understand you're not responding to them. You're responding to what they've been teaching you. You're responding to the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. 
But this morning, how do we respond to, to something like this? How do we respond to what Paul is teaching? Do you just need to tell your hero thank you today? Maybe they don't go here. I give you permission to pick out your phone and text them. Let them know, thank you for what you did for me. Joe Bagwell, thank you. Thank you for being my pastor. Who do you need to say thank you to this morning? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.